And when I first started coaching, I would get frustrated because I was like, I don't get how I can be more clear. Like, I feel like I'm communicating it in the way that I would understand it. And yet no like recognition from the athlete of what I was talking about. So every day I'm challenged to figure out the best way. It's kind of like a puzzle of how this is gonna resonate with them in a way that they can put into action. Welcome to KC's Conversations, a podcast designed to highlight and build connections with female strength and conditioning coaches. I'm your host, Caitlin Cunningham. Hey guys, apologies in advance for some of the audio glitches in these first few episodes. I'm continuing to work on bringing the best audio quality I can. Unfortunately, technology has not been my best friend in the beginning stages of getting this thing up and running. I'll tell you what though, I'm so freaking happy you are back to listen to the second episode. Today, I had the pleasure of talking with Allie Kirshner, who just recently joined Stanford Athletics as the Associate Olympic Sports Performance Coach. She's back where she grew up in California and has great stories to tell. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did getting to talk with her. Enough with the introduction. Let's get this conversation started. Allie, thanks for joining me today. Honored to have you on. Thanks for having me. Thrilled to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So there's been studies done that gratitude can increase your long-term well-being by more than 10%. Gratitude improves our health, relationships, emotions, personality, and career. So with that, what are you grateful for today? Um, Number one, definitely my health. Just the fact that I'm able to do what I love to do on a daily basis and not even have to think about um, being healthy. But more so than that, just the people in my life, friends, family, colleagues, they're the people that got me here. And then most recently, being home. I just moved back, actually living with my parents right now in the, in the meantime, but I have not gone to spend a lot of time with them for eight or nine years. So this is really special right now. Wow. That's awesome. Speaking of being back home, so let's talk about transitions. So obviously a new position, you were at Kansas before. Maybe we can mesh these two things together, kind of your background and your path. Um, And then we can talk more specifically about transitioning and maybe give some advice to people who maybe are going through the same things or have to look forward to that. Absolutely. So um, I can give you kind of a a full background. Um, I'm actually from Palo Alto, California, which is where I currently am working as well. Um, I grew up in a super supportive family. I have two younger siblings, so as the oldest and above me pushing me, but my brother and my sister are two of the most competitive people I know. So uh, like, I'll just give you a little story. My brother actually got in trouble for organizing a No Limits Texas Hold'em tournament in his elementary school, second grade class. So... (laughs) If that tells you anything about the kind of family <laughs> coming from. I love it. Um, yeah, I, I played every sport kind of growing up. I specialized probably in basketball and soccer in high school. And then I was like, oh, God, I have to pick. This is horrible. So I picked being a goalkeeper for soccer because I was like, maybe a combination of the two. And I also had convinced myself that I wouldn't have to run as much, but that was (laughs) not the case (laughs) whatsoever. Um, 
I eventually settled on soccer, obviously, and then played um, collegiately at Duke. So sorry, I know we may be for you at Clemson. Hey. But um, you know, <laughs> I know we're all friends now. Yeah. Um, we, uh, you know, that's really where I fell in love with the weight room because um, I played every role at Duke. I was a reserve who saw no minutes. I was a starter um, and everything in between. And I always felt like I never saw a true correlation between how hard I worked in practice always and my playing time, especially as a goalkeeper where there's only one of you. <laughs> right. But I, all, I always saw a correlation between how hard I worked in the weight room and how good I felt on the field. So I totally bought into that. I had an amazing strength coach at Duke. Um, and that kind of just lifted me into the profession. And that, but I, like, I always knew I wanted to be in sports science, sports of some sort. So like every summer I'd come home and I'd try something different. One summer I worked in a PT clinic. I hated that. Um, the next summer I actually worked at Sparta, uh, which is a force plate technology company um, that we had at Kansas. And uh, I worked in their headquarters as a statistics intern, which was ironic because I'm like not numbers oriented. Um, but I would be in the office most of the time. And then for a couple hours a day, they'd let me out on the floor and watch their coaches work with their pro teams or their pro groups. And I found myself really just wanting to spend my time on the floor. I was like, I don't want to be doing this number crunching thing. So eventually I just kind of convinced them to let me observe out on the floor as an intern there. And, um, and that kind of transitioned me right into being an intern at Duke after I finished playing and um, started my sports performance career there. And then Honestly, the most random timing, good timing um, thing happened at Kansas where I emailed, I worked at Sparta. I know you guys have Sparta. I'd love to, you know, I'm interested in the position you guys have open. And she said, when can you come out on an interview? And I think it was two weeks later that I got hired um, in a graduate assistant role. And I was there for two years as a grad assistant, got hired full time after that, and then just three weeks ago, got hired full-time at Stanford with women's basketball and women's golf. Wow. That's awesome. Okay. So you played soccer at Duke. I have to ask thoughts on the world cup. I am all in. This is like, <laughs> this is my favorite time of year. Um, and my favorite event. And what's awesome about this year is that every other team has really stepped up their level. Right. So there's no, you know, gimmies anymore. And um, actually, we didn't have this at Kansas, but we have this here. We have like a TV in the weight room, which is a blessing and a curse. Sure. But it's definitely a blessing because we've got all of our athletes just going nuts um, for the for the women, and they are really representing well. Yeah, I lo it's fantastic. It takes me back to like watching Mia Hamm and all those, you know, that team. And it's like, okay, are we going to get a shirt ripped off again and celebrations of PKs and all that kind of stuff? So it's been awesome. Uh, yeah, so actually, my uh, my assistant coach at Duke, uh, Carla Overbeck, yeah. was the cap was the captain of that team, um, and she was the you know the rock of that '99er squad. Yeah. So that was an incredible influence in my life in another way. Um, but I've always had a, a soft spot for that women's national team for sure. So funny story. Speaking of Carla. Our goalkeeper coach here, assistant coach for women's soccer, Siri Molinix, was the goalkeeper on the national. Right, 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 right. And so her and I were roommates. And when I worked with women's soccer, 
we'd meet up with Carla when we were on the road and it was just, it was a blast. It's just so cool to hear all of their stories. It really is. I mean, they played it at such a high level. And I think Carla was telling me that when she played at Carolina, she didn't lose a game in four years. Can you, I mean, I don't even know if you can imagine that, but four national championships undefeated for four years straight. I mean, that is unprecedented. And just the gold medals or silver medals that both of those people have, it's like, what in the world? Like, you're just at the next level of things. So I'm sure it was cool. Obviously, she was an influence for you. But even to watch Siri, like the way that she works with the girls, it's just unbelievable. Totally. So, okay, you spoke about your roles at Duke with playing, not playing, all of those aspects. Do you think that those helped shape you as a coach in order to help athletes achieve their best and kind of understand, okay, I've been in your shoes. I can help you. I can get you through all these things. Absolutely. I mean, it just gives you a full spectrum of experiences and allows you to relate to an athlete who's been in all of those different roles as well. And I honestly think that, you know, the tendency is to give the the star of the team the most attention. They get all the attention on the field, you know, especially during practices. So actually my approach has been kind of different is I try to find that kid or um, I guess man or woman, (laughs) um, they're not really kids anymore, um, who was like me, who maybe wasn't seeing all the playing time and really needed that coaching influence that they weren't necessarily getting during their team practices. Sure. So I've kind of tried to adopt that into my philosophy and coach up the people that maybe aren't getting coached. Yeah. Same here in the weight room. It's like you're all treated equally, whether you play zero minutes or you play all 40 minutes. Like I think that, you know, you can all be treated the exact same. And I think they appreciate that. Um, Absolutely. So speaking of influences, do you have any female strength and conditioning coaches that you have aspired to be? Um, Or let's just simply talk about mentors. It can be male, female, whatever route you want to take. Let's roll roll with it. Yeah, well, um, I'll start by saying that I honestly think of every single individual that I've had the privilege of coaching with to be a mentor. Because if even if we were interns together or you were an intern while I was a full-time, I've learned somebody, something from each of these people. I, I mean, it's just incredible the different unique experiences that everybody brings to the table. And so I don't even consider only people above me as men surround myself with to be a mentor in some, some aspect. Um, but obviously there are a couple big ones that, uh, that I've been, um, around recently though, my, my colleagues at Kansas have been probably the biggest impacts in my coaching career, coach Hootie. And then, um, also Luke Bradford, who I spent, uh, a lot of time with, I mean, we were, we were office mates. He's, he's a great, great coach. And I, I'm who I am because of him, um, Truly, but in terms of female role models, I mean, I, I really don't I don't think it gets any better than than Coach Hootie. And you've obviously had some experience with her, and I'm I've heard that she's a, a guest on your podcast as well. She is. I could tell a million and a half stories about her, but <laughs> what's funny is I actually had no idea who she was before I came on my interview. Like. Um, friends at Sparta was like, Hey, coach Hootie, you should probably do some research on who this is before you go on your interview. I was like, yeah, absolutely. So I started doing some research, read her book on the plane and I was like, Oh my, 
Okay. <laughs> okay, now I'm nervous. <laughs> yeah, I was like, maybe it was better that I didn't know who she was before. Um, but man, what an incredible human being. She is, she is where she is for a reason. And I could, like I said, tell a million and a half stories, but um, she truly is the best manager of people um, that I've ever met. Yeah, she's, uh, she's phenomenal. The podcast that I recorded with her is to me it's just like epic like the little things that she brings up talking about communication and she's like we fail at communicating with our spouses how do you think communication at work is going to be good it's not and i was like amen to that so just little tidbits from her it's just always always something new every time have you had any other females that have impacted your career and maybe it's not a strength coach Uh, maybe it's just somebody else that's impacted your life and made you who you are today Yeah. uh, Again, um, I would probably go back to Carla. I mean, she was like that first, no holds barred. I'm going to treat you like an adult. I honestly, you know, like she showed how much she cared through her actions. um, And it's just the respect that she had for us as, as players and humans. Um, that was probably the first like real um, female mentor coach wise that I had. Um, But, you know, it's like, it's like looking back, like every single coach I had um, influenced me in some way to get me to where I am. But the the first and foremost ones were my parents. They're, they're uh, my biggest mentors in life. I mean, they're incredible, incredible human beings. Like my dad, um, just to brag on my parents real quick, my dad is starting his own business right now and taking a complete risk and being an entrepreneur. And um, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say about it because it's like (laughs) very new, but um, I'll just stop there. And then my mom is the rock of our family. She, um, she's like the kind of person will just drop everything to make sure that everybody's taken care of. But at the same time, she's probably the most badass female I've ever met in my entire life. And she's the strongest woman I've ever met. That's awesome. I did a mentor Monday series on my website and I was like, there's no better way to start than with your parents. Cause that's who shaped you for your entire life. So if it wasn't for them, I'd absolutely where I'm at now. And there's a lot of people along the way, like you said, but um, that's definitely, those are the people that shape you from the day you, you know, come into the world. So so I think it's important to have female mentors, um, ones that are also in positions that maybe we aspire to be in with men's programs. Maybe it's overseas in a different country um, or just coaching a sport that maybe um, you or somebody else want to get into. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I, obviously, you can speak very highly of Hootie, and I'm sure that um, many others can, including myself. But um, do you have any thoughts or anything to add on to that? I think... Coach Hootie doesn't get enough um, credit. I mean, she does, but I like, I'll just, I, I just share a couple stories. Um, Cause I was kind of thinking about you know, what I wanted to say about her. Um, she really, I owe everything about who I am as a coach today to her um, truly. And I think it kind of goes back to probably, well, maybe three, three big things uh, that I learned from her. The first being Um, She would always say, I would rather tell you what not to do than what to do. So that being that, you know, fail forward, fail often, be assertive with your mistakes and 
just don't be afraid to get uncomfortable. I mean, my first summer there, and I'm sure you have similar stories. I was running conditioning with women's basketball Mm -hmm. and, um, well, (laughs) she'll tell you this, but I pulled my hamstring like really badly, (laughs) like, like to the point where like I fell to the ground and she thought I had completely destroyed my knee. Um, I didn't, I was okay. Wouldn't say good. I was okay. And I get up and she's like, well, just may see you being around. And I was like, got it. Okay. Um, you know, we would go on 16 mile bike rides on a whim. And that was just like her way of testing us to see like how badly we wanted to be there and how, how much we were invested in the process. And then just daily situations that she'd put us in where we would be stretched not to the point that we couldn't succeed, but where we were just beyond where we were comfortable. Um, like going up and talking to administrators or putting us in meetings with coaches, like before you probably felt you were ready, but things like that, where you were just like constantly encouraged to push that next uh, boundary. So that, I mean, that that's her genius. She knows exactly how far to push without going too far. Yeah. Um, the other thing about her that's incredible is, I mean, how many years has she been in the profession? A long time. Um, and I'm not going to age her, um, by saying the number of years, even though I know how many it is. Um, but she is always learning and growing and asking questions. And we would be sitting in staff meetings and you, she'll tell you the same thing, but it would drive us crazy sometimes because it would be a two hour staff meeting where we'd be just up at the whiteboard, just writing down questions and trying to figure out ways to stimulate different adaptations in the athletes. Or we would be talking and debating about which fork to use at a fancy dinner because (laughs) that was her big thing is like, when you guys get a seat at the table, I wanna make sure you're ready for it. So let's watch YouTube videos on etiquette. Let's learn how to be uh, professionally dressed. Like we were talking about what's, what color socks you're supposed to wear with what color pants and what color belt. And, you know, obviously we're female, so we don't necessarily need that. But like just that concept, like where else is that conversation happening? Yeah. Um, which is incredible. And so I think for somebody like her, the reason why she's still in the profession is because it's still new to her every day because of the way that she approaches it. Right. Um, and then the last thing that I'll share about her, which makes her special, is how she treats her people. Um, as a manager, that's probably the number one thing that I learned from her is how I want to be a boss or not a boss, I, you know, but uh, um, a future leader. Yeah. And that's she would give the shirt off her back for any individual that is loyal to and she trusts, right? Um, Like, again, that same week that I was running conditioning, my first week there with women's basketball and pulled my hamstring, um, my car broke down. So great start to the summer in Lawrence. And not only did she connect me with her mechanic, she got me set up with a rental car, which was Carolina Blue, (laughs) but... We won't go there. I don't know how she arranged that one, but she probably had her ways. Um, And she offered to help me pay for it. Wow. You know, like, of course, I was like, no, I I can't let you pay for it. I I won't. Like, I'll figure out a way. But, like, who who else is doing that? You know, she just, like, without even second-guessing it, she was like, yeah, let me help you pay for it. And I was like, oh, no. But, like, from then, I was sold. I was sold. I was in, I was her person. I was like, whatever you need, I got it. Like, let's go. Yeah. It's an unconditional trust. Like, you know, she has your back. 
Speaking of bike rides, I don't know what it is about female strength coaches at Kansas, <laughs> but when I was an intern, Molly McKinnon Rupp was her assistant who was with women's soccer when I played there. And she was like, come on, Cunningham, we're going on a bike ride. And I was like, gee. Meanwhile, I had just run the fitness test that morning, and I was going on a 15 to 16-mile bike ride with her, and there was a couple other people on the bike ride. Regardless, um, I really struggled. Bike riding is not my thing. And we were coming back down. There was one of like the side streets off of parallel with Mass. And there was a red light, and I was literally like, oh, my gosh, yes, this is my break. That's my break. Stop for a second. They were all sitting at the light, and there was an elderly woman standing waiting across the street. And I got there, and I literally put my foot on the curb for one second, and the light turned green. And I was like, oh. (laughs) And the woman said, are you okay? And I was like, I'm fine. I just can't keep up with them. (laughs) And we got back and it was just, everyone was making fun of me and how terrible my bike riding skills were. But that must be a thing. It must be how they really weed people out is, can you ride a bike for 16 miles? Absolutely. I mean, the the rule of thumb was there was 14th Street, which was straight up 6% Mm -hmm. incline at least, maybe eight in places. And if you got off your bike while on, we called it Heartbreak Hill, everybody, not just you, started back at the beginning. Oh my gosh. I'm pretty sure there was, I don't think I was on this bike ride, but I'm pretty sure I've heard stories of five or six trips before we got up to the top. That is rough. (laughs) Rough, rough, rough. All right. I enjoy the quote, failure isn't fatal, it's feedback. So can you give us an example maybe of a so-called failure, it might not actually be a failure, but something you've experienced and then how you learn from that situation. Yeah. Um, so in, in kind of thinking about this, I was like, I fail miserably every single day. Um, and I think when I think about um, the ways I typically fail and they typically come back to communication and uh, a failure to properly communicate, you know, um, one of the other quotes that I learned from Coach Hootie in my time at Kansas was, you cannot not communicate. You might have actually heard that from her. <laughs> um, but essentially, facial expressions, gestures, body language, right? We're always putting something out there. Um, and that's what you have to be able to control on a daily basis. So whether it's you know making the wrong facial expression or whether it's having too much energy, not enough energy, whether it's the cue that I'm using, I think that's where I fail every day because every athlete is going to respond differently to how you communicate with them. And when I first started coaching, I would get frustrated because I was like, I don't get how I can be more clear. Like, I feel like I'm communicating it in the way that I would understand it. And yet no like recognition from the athlete of what I was talking about. So Every day, I'm challenged to figure out the best way. It's kind of like a puzzle of how this is going to resonate with them in a way that they can put into action. And actually, that's probably a pretty good segue. I did my thesis on um, how what you say matters and how coaching cues and instruction can actually affect performance. Um, 
So I would say, yeah, the, the communication is what I fail at and what I'm trying to get better at every day. Um, and that's really where my fascination came from for my thesis. That's awesome. So they published that. What does that feel like? Yeah, it, no, it's, um, it's super cool. Um, again, like I never, like if you ask my mom, she would be like, uh, what you got published because I distinctly remember calling her in college and being like, can you help me edit my essay? <laughs> I'm just like not writing oriented whatsoever. Oh, this is great. So coach Hootie and I used to write blogs together, which you can imagine is just hilarious in itself. Sure. And, you know, I try to take what she was saying and put it down on paper and I was classically trained you know, with therefore and thus and subsequently, right? So I would have all these paragraphs and they'd, I was pretty eloquent, right? You know, to the extent that I could manage. And she'd be like, okay, red pen, cross out, subsequent, cross out, therefore. And I was like, okay. Um, so I'd go back and like 17 drafts later, we'd finally have something that she'd be okay with. But, um, yeah, so so the fact that I wrote a thesis and that it got published is monumental. Um, but you know what? It was really cool because my whole goal with this project and thesis was for it to be applicable and for coaches to take it and be able to use it day one in their program. And basically what I came to find out is that um, if I could boil it all down to two points, it's if you are coaching um, – a very complicated movement, like a clean or a snatch or some movement um, on the turf or the track or whatever, you want to use some sort of a picture for the athlete um, because that's the way that they're going to interpret the, interpret that movement in their brain. And you don't want to mess with something they're already pretty good at doing, like a jump, like a, like a run, right? You just kind of want to enhance it. But if it's something really isolated or controlled, like a warm-up, mm-hmm. and you're really trying to activate just a certain set of muscles or... Um, get a certain motor pattern to develop, you want to use more of an internal focus, which is really like, you know, extend the knee or um, it pertains to the body itself and how joints are moving in space, abduct the, um, the hip or dorsiflex the ankle. That's when you want to use those kind of coaching cues. So that's kind of where that came from. But um, yeah, super fun study. We used our baseball team. We looked at um, how, you can change the way they do a counter movement jump just by the way that you instruct it. So if anybody's interested, it's out there. I'm pretty proud of that. Yeah, we'll have to, uh, I'll put the link in the show notes. So when I post everything, then people will have access. They can go check it out and then they can reach out to you after they read it and if they have any questions. Okay, so back to my transition questions. Going from Sparta to Kansas and then Kansas to Stanford. Any advice, any things maybe you made mistakes on as you were transitioning into those places that you would advise others to kind of pay attention to as they make those transitions? Yeah, I think the big thing that I actually was given some pretty good advice from some other coaches that I talked to um, was not to try to use what I was using at the last place at the new place to be who I am, but also be super flexible and willing to adapt and um, check my ego at Kansas is not necessarily going to be needed at Stanford or going to work at Stanford. Um, And 
going in with a more kind of needs analysis type approach, like truly, like, let's go back to the drawing board. What are we trying to accomplish here? And then how can I go about doing that? Um, but all while not losing who I am as a coach. And I think that's the, the biggest challenge, right, is um, Luke, my you know mentor at, at Kansas, he has this incredible analogy that, you know, you always want to stick, stay true to your flavor of chicken, whether you're, you know, blackened chicken with Cajun salsa or whatever, or you're just a plain old grilled chicken breast or you're a spicy hot buffalo. You want to stay true to that. Um, while also um, kind of being willing to adapt and know that we're all chicken at the end of the day um, and that you learn a little bit fit best to your team or your culture that you're, you're going into. Yeah, that's awesome. So, that's really good. Okay, so what kind of fun stuff do you do to help develop the culture in the weight room? Yeah, um, I'm definitely like a pretty high energy coach on the floor. I love competitions. I love putting people and athletes in positions to lead. Uh-huh. And we kind of just have just gotten started with just scratching the surface. But um, already I'm like, you know, 6 a.m. The girls are coming in. They're like, oh, my God. And I'm like, let's go, you know, not like a hype man, but definitely trying to wake everybody up. And uh, honestly, it just comes down to trying to create as competitive of an atmosphere and a little bit of organized chaos natural like they're like oh yeah we're used to this we got it and of course you know the you want the weight room to be controlled in the sense that it's a safe environment but i think there are instances with conditioning drills or with little finishers and stuff like that where you can really promote that kind of high level intensity energy um and a little bit of that competition that's going to transfer to the court Love it. So with my women's basketball team here, we do squad leaders. So when you were talking about putting people in positions to lead, I give one individual the responsibility of reporting in early. They know the whole layout for the day and what they're responsible for communicating to their teammates, what they're to lead, and then where I step in and obviously take the role of coach. But at the end of the day, we're not on the court or on the field or wherever they're playing um, with them as coaches. So I think that's extremely important. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good way for them to practice communicating too um, and put people who don't consider themselves vocal leaders in positions to be vocal leaders. Yep. And one thing that I've started is, uh, and I actually started at Kansas because of a great suggestion by a sport coach that I worked with was um, don't text me, call me. So unless it's, like, you know, something like, hey, just confirming 8.30 tomorrow. I have a policy in place where I want my athletes to pick up the phone and call me. So I think a lot of communication gets, you know, hairy when it's sent through text message, especially when it's a long convoluted, you know, kind of situation. And also it's a skill to pick up the phone and have a mature adult conversation. Get any names, but I had an athlete tell me they've never left a voicemail before. So I said, so I, like, I literally had this policy about calling me and then she's like, I did, I did. Well, I was like, well, you didn't leave me a voicemail. And she said, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know how to do that. I was, I was flabbergasted. So from now on, I have this policy where like, yeah, there are instances where text is fine, but 
let's practice picking up the phone and practice communicating. Yeah, that's a life lesson right there. Mm-hmm. And your boss isn't going to want text messages for your entire career, so you should probably learn how to pick the phone up. <laughs> Absolutely. That's fantastic. All right, so I'm going to give you some rapid-fire questions, and that'll kind of finish us up. A book that has positively shaped you. Man, um, one good one that I've read really recently is called Insight by Tasha Yurich. Um, and it's about self-awareness and um, the difference between internal and external self-awareness. And I would highly recommend that because I think we all have an idea of what we're putting off, but it either doesn't match up with what we're truly giving off to the world or, um, you know, maybe we're really, really not aware of what our goals are, what our values are, all of that. So it really kind of is an evaluation of who, who you are and what you're putting out to the world. That's a, that's, that's a good one. I'll have to check that one out. Put that on the list. Share something interesting about yourself that most people don't know. Anybody that, that maybe knows me will probably know this, but I think it's funny anyway. Um, my first job was at Jamba Juice and I had to dress up in the banana suit and my mom, I'll just tell a quick story about this. My mom thought that was hysterical. I mean, it, it's pretty funny, but she decided to come to work one day to Jamba Juice. And she was in the lobby of the Jamba Juice with her coffee. And she spilled it everywhere, trying to take a picture of me. And guess who got to mop up the customer's coffee in the lobby wearing the banana suit? You. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my, that was my first that was actually a rule in our family that before we went to college we all had to work in the service industry um and it was a it was a great way it definitely scared us all off we were like well never again <laughs> i'm not going that route <laughs> no no that was good but yeah i was a uh, jamba juice banana for a summer love it a call to action or female strength and conditioning coaches, or just the profession in general that our listeners can do at the conclusion of listening to our episode? So I have been fascinated with the art of asking questions. So obviously questions are super important and it also facilitates listening, which is another huge skill. But I think it's kind of overdone. It's like, yeah, ask questions. Ah, you know, um, there's actually a science to it. And there are a couple of really good books that like really teach you how to ask better questions. And so I've read a couple of them and kind of, I just kind of jotted down quickly some of like the key points that I remembered. But um, number one was ask open-ended questions. So let people talk, right? That's simple. Two, ask specific questions. So you say, you're like, oh God, that's the worst question. Somebody says, hey, tell me what's the best thing you ate today? Then you're like, oh yeah, like I totally know what the answer to that is. And then they could go for 15 minutes about the burrito that they had at lunch, right? <laughs> um, um, ask them to elaborate with stories. So be like, hey, can you, do you have an example or can you tell me a story about that? Um, start with small kind of softball like questions like to get people warmed up and then you can kind of dive into the meat you know later on Mm -hmm. and then ask why 
So there's this practice called the five whys. And somebody says, hey, I want to get stronger. You say, why? <laughs> then they answer that. Because I feel like I want to look better in my tank top. Why? Well, it's almost summertime. Why? And so you ask why five times. Have dived or dove pretty deep, right? And uh, it's a really good way of just getting to the root of what they're actually talking about. So just keep asking why. If you have no other good questions, just ask why again. So you mean there's something to when a child says why a million times when you tell them to do something? Right. And if you don't have an answer, there's probably you probably need to go back and think about it a little bit longer. I really like that. Hmm. The five whys. This is going to be great. Yeah. And last but not least, how can our listeners contact you with any questions they may have? Cool. Yeah, this is a ton of fun. Um, yeah, they. I'm on social media. Um, Instagram and Twitter probably are the easiest. I think I'm Kirshner.Alley and on Ali Kirshner on Twitter. But um, people can definitely email me as well. Um, and that's just akirshner at stanford.edu. Really simple. Perfect. Anything else you want to share with our listeners to provide insight on anything that you feel is important? No, this is great. I mean, I just love being able to, to get on the phone with another female strength coach. And I think this could be huge, 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 huge for a profession. And I'm really glad you're doing it. And I hope you, you continue doing it for a long time. And um, that's it other than go USA on Sunday. And hopefully when people listen to this, we're, we're World Cup champs. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Allie, so much for joining me. It was a pleasure to have you. And I look forward to future conversations. Awesome. Thanks, Caitlin. 